So do you have your word with you today, whether online, your phone, or whether you got your Bible? We're going to be talking today. We have a new series that we're started this month, and I'm really excited because this is real close to home. The, the series is called Flawed. <laughs> Anybody in here ever feel like there's a big mess? Only a couple of us. Okay. Looks like we got some coaches in the room that got it all figured out. So some of us that don't, we're going to be finding you because you've got it all figured out. No, I'm just kidding. But we've titled this series called Flawed, Imperfect People Chosen by God. And I think for all of us, we can relate to this topic. We're going to take the next couple of weeks and we're going to look at some different people in the Bible that God has used mightily. And we're going to look at their lives simply, and we're going to look how, even though they didn't have it all figured out, were kind of a mess, God still chose to use them in their imperfections, all right? And I think what's great about that, in its simplicity, because that's what it is, looking at how God interacts with them, we can put it into our own life and how God interacts with us, right? As people who just don't have it figured out. So my prayer is over the next few weeks as we dive into some of these different individuals and how God has used them, that you'll find your place and how God uses you even with your imperfections, amen? <laughs> We're gonna be looking at Hebrews chapter 11, which for those of you that know, most know, it's God's hall of fame. That whole entire chapter is called the faith chapter. We're going to look at some of the scriptures, but we're not going to go through all of it. But it categorizes and goes through all the men and women that God has used by faith and did all of these great things. And every single one of them were very human and very broken. But because of God's faithfulness, miracles were able to happen. Do you think that can be true of your life? that God can use the brokenness of your mess and turn it into his message? Absolutely he can. Although we're going to spend this month looking at some individuals, we always want to keep in perspective that God is our ultimate role model, right? Jesus is the ultimate one that we look towards uh, to gain wisdom and to live a life that we follow after. Amen? Amen. Let's pray as we get into the word today. Jesus, we honor you. Thank you. We love your presence. We don't get tired of your presence. God, help us to be sensitive. Help us to be aware. Help us to honor your presence in greater ways. Lord, I pray as we get into your scripture today that you will illuminate truth. God, we thank you that your word is living and active. And I pray, God, as we read it, as we hear it, as we listen, God, that you will do what only you can by your Holy Spirit. Transform, heal, encourage, challenge. Father, you know where we're all at. You know where we're all at in this topic. And God, we pray that your word will come alive today in new, fresh ways. God, may we not turn out, turn, tune our ears out right now. May we not tune our heart out. But God, may we be open to hear what you have to say to us today in this moment. May we not take your presence for granted in your precious name. Amen. All right, well, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at a couple of those scripture verses. Today, we're going to be focusing on Sarah from the Old Testament. We're going to look at Sarah and Moses and Jacob and David over the next couple of weeks, but today's focus is mostly on Sarah, which I'm excited about. 
So Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Verse 3 says, By faith we understand the entire universe was formed at God's command, and what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. All right, so we're talking about faith. As we look at even these individuals, we're going to be challenged in our own personal trust and belief and faith in God. All right, so we're going to scroll now down to chapter 11, verse 6. It says this, It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Okay, so scripture again, how plain and simple can we get? You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have gone to school and studied Hebrew to understand what God is simply saying here. That's what I love about God's word. It's basic. It is impossible to please God without what? Can't do it on your own. Doesn't matter how smart you are. Doesn't matter how talented. None of that matters. Without faith, you will not please God. Oof. And anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. There's that faith. He has to trust that God is really who he says he is. That he'll do really what he says he will do. We put that faith and that trust in him. And then the rest of that scripture says that he rewards those who somewhat seek him every so often when they feel like it. Is that what that says? Who, who somewhat casually, when I need God, I'll find, seek him. No. No. It says he rewards those who sincerely seek him. When I look at some of these men and women of the Old Testament, I look at their lives, and they, although they were a mess, I watch how God has used them, and I'm like, man, that's incredible. I'd love to be used of the Lord by that, that way. Has anybody ever felt that way? You read these accounts, these historical accounts, because that's what they are. The Old Testament is history. It's already happened. I want to be used of God that way. Well, in order for that to happen, we got to get ourselves out of the way We've got to be seeking him first, putting, around, putting aside all the other things. And he will reward us for that. And I love that. I encourage you after today, because again, we're not going to read the whole chapter 11 because it's pretty in-depth. Go back and read the whole entire chapter. It'll remind you of these biblical accounts of these men and women who God has used to do great things. And your name could be listed in there as well. All right, so... Hebrews chapter 11, let's look at verses 11 and 12. We're talking about Sarah today, so this brings Sarah into our conversation. Verse 11 says, It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and too old. Those are some big problems, right? <laughs> she had a child, but she was barren and too old to have one. Okay, wow. She believed, she, what? She believed 
She had faith. She trusted. She struggled, which we'll talk about. But she ultimately believed God that he would keep his promise. That's where we're going today. Today, this is tough for me because this is personal. And I think for some of you, you'll find your story, you'll find your life in Sarah a little bit in some, in some way. I'm not sure how. But Sarah was able to see the promises of God fulfilled in her life because she believed. Don't you think that we need to have a little bit more faith? I think we're in a day and age where we have to pray and ask the Lord to help us with our faith. Lord, grow my faith. I want to be able to believe. I want to be able to trust you more. I want to be able to read what you say and go, okay, end of story, let's do it. That's the God we serve. We're not gonna talk a lot about Abraham, but God called Abraham and he just said, okay, I'm gonna go. And he just left everything and decided to follow God. Are you kidding me? That's incredible faith. I connect to Abraham a lot because when I was young, the Lord said, I need you to go. And I left my family, I left my home and I went to a new state to pursue God's call in my life. I had no idea what that was gonna look like. It was scary, it was difficult. I left every comfort and security that I knew. But I knew that God had called me. So like Abraham, I was like, all right, I'm gonna trust that everywhere I go, you're gonna lead me. And I've watched him over and over take care of and lead me to the next place, to the next assignment, to the next whatever in my life and destiny. Amen? God will do the same for you if we trust, if we step out in faith, and if we can believe that he just says what he says, he'll do it. Amen? Faith is simply this. This is the definition. Complete trust or confidence in something or someone. Complete trust and confidence in someone or something. Now listen, we all struggle in having that. God understands that, and so that's why we come to him and ask him for help in our faith. Amen? <laughs> Have you ever lost your patience in a situation and decided to do it yourself? Anybody? Okay. <laughs> All right, well, Sarah is exactly like that, all right? Impatience with God and his faithfulness is a real risk. But his work in Sarah's life shows that he can be trusted, all right? And you're, we're going to take a look at what she did to take it into her own hands, all right? So yeah, many of us have taken those things into our own hands. Maybe you were teaching a child something new, and instead of being patient with them, and letting them do the task, how many have done this? You said, you know what, I'll just do it, let me do it. You're taking too long, right? We get impatient. Or maybe we're learning, we're waiting for someone to learn a task or for God's perfect timing. It's easy in those times of waiting for us to go, you know what, I'm gonna help God out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I know he said this, but I'm gonna help him out. Anybody ever wanted to try to help God out? Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right, so turn with me to Genesis 
chapter 16, we're going to take a look at Sarah a little bit. And um, she's a perfect example of this. Genesis chapter 16, we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. Taking a minute to get there. All right. All right, so the chapter before 16, God has called Abraham and he's told him that he's going to be a father to many nations, all right? Now, you have to understand in context, Sarah, when the Lord says to Abraham that he's going to become the father of many nations, Sarah's older, and they both are, but she cannot even have children. Like, she's completely barren, unable to have children. Now, I want to pause a minute because this is a sensitive thing for women and for families. And if that has ever been you, where you were unable to have children or you felt, man, forgotten or whatever, God wants to heal that. Um, and, and, you know, Sarah, this is, not, of course, a miracle, and not everybody had a miracle like that, you know. And so even as we talk about this, it's not something to overlook the pain of what Sarah went through right? Especially in those days, children were your inheritance. Children were how wealthy you were. And so for a woman of that time to not be able to bear children was devastating. And now we have Abraham, yay, rah, here's from God that he's now going to be the father of the nations. Can you imagine the conversation when he comes home to Sarah? My heart goes, ugh. Because as excited, I'm sure, as he was, potentially, there's a real reality in her heart. She's not able to have kids. My heart breaks for what Sarah would have been going through or what she could have been going through in that time. So here at chapter 16, here we go. It says, now Sarai... Uh, God had ended up changing her, both their names later on to Sarah and Abraham, so this is before the name change. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed with Sarai's proposal. Of course he's going to agree. So Sarai, Abraham's wife, which some of that stuff, I'm just like, ugh, I don't know how all that worked. And, you know, there's no way there wasn't a whole lot of jealousy and anger and stuff going on. But anyways, we're not talking about that today. So Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abraham as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abraham had settled in the land of Canaan. Verse 4 says, So Abraham had sexual relationship with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abraham, Ladies. So she's like, Abe, now she's like, this is all your fault, you know. Here comes the blame, right? I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. In verse 6, Abraham replied, look, he's like, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so 
harshly that she finally ran away. Now, there's a lot in here, and we're not going to be able to dive into all the details, but Sarah, you know, in her barrenness and in probably the frustration and disappointment of not being able to have kids is like, well, I'm just going to help God out. I'm going to go create, we'll figure this out. She thought this would be the answer to the problem, right? We'll just have Abraham and Hagar create a kid, and then there we go. Okay, so you know how last month we talked about cadence, we talked how God has a rhythm for everything? Well, when God told Abraham that he was going to be a father of nations, God had a plan and a purpose, and it was going to be through Isaac, which was going to be through Abraham and Sarah. That was his plan. That was his cadence and rhythm, right? And Sarah doesn't want to go with that, so she creates her own rhythm and pattern, right? Which obviously we see the challenges, the chaos that happens because she takes it into her own hands, right? Ugh. Now, let me tell you, I, I sympathize with her, though. I do. My heart breaks for her. Because how difficult would that be? How disappointing, frustrated, right? But she was going to make it happen. Knowing God's promise to give Abraham a nation must have stressed her out, knowing her reality. She already felt embarrassed and shamed that she had no children. Now, she felt the pressure to fulfill God's promise. Ugh. In their culture, it was an accepted solution to give the husband a concubine. And if a baby came from that, the baby then became not the concubines, but the wife and the husbands. Ugh. So much pain, so much chaos in that. Sarah's attempt to help God led to disappointment and heartache for literally everyone involved. Literally. And so that's a huge lesson to us, that when we step outside of God's plan and purpose, how we set it out, and we, we think we want to help him, it's not going to work out good. It's going to cause chaos. Amen? So we need to stay in step with God and trust him that he has it all figured out. Turn with me to Genesis chapter one. So we're gonna fast forward, all right, a little bit in the life of Sarah. Again, there's a lot we could talk about with Hagar, which I'll probably do another sermon on that because there's a lot there. But we're moving forward to Ch Genesis chapter 21 and here's where the birth of Isaac, the promise is showing up in her life, all right? Verse one says, the Lord kept his word, which we shouldn't be surprised because that's what he does. And did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. And Sarah declared at that moment, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. Now, back, back a few steps, a couple chapters, when, when Sarah overhears that God is going to have them be pregnant, she laughs. She is, you know, totally, I'm sure, hilarious, just going, 
are you kidding me right now? Do you know how old I am? Do you know I'm barren? Like, and Abraham earlier on too, they both, when they were presented with this, they laughed as if God doesn't know what he's doing, right? (laughs) Oh man, it's hard in those moments to trust the Lord, no matter what we're facing. So here's a couple life lessons I think that stand out from the life of Sarah. All right, you with me? You guys with me? All right. Again, there's a lot to cover, so go back and reread some of it. The first lesson is this. Nothing is impossible with God. Say that with me. Nothing is impossible with God. That means nothing, no matter what it is, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through. Nothing is impossible. If it's his plan, if it's his will, then he will make it happen according to his timing, not ours, and not what we think it's gonna look like, right? There are many times that God has shown up and done the impossible all throughout scripture. Hello, he put a baby in Mary's room, right? Jesus, that was the immaculate conception. Amazing. There's all kinds of stories where God shows up and does the impossible, He does more than we could ever imagine. He's not limited to our laws of chemistry and biology and physics. You get that? He's not limited. We are, because we're human. He's not. When you face a seemingly impossible situation here on earth, the goal is to give it to God. Because you know what? He's able to do more than anything we ever can hope or imagine. God can do more with it. Ephesians 3.20, we know it well. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely, infinitely more than we ask or think. He's the God of Ephesians 3.20, right? More than able. So nothing's impossible. Do you believe that? That's real easy to say, oh yeah, great, nothing's impossible. And then you go home and you face your real situations, right? Let me tell you, whatever those situations are, nothing is impossible for God, period. Keep that in mind when those challenges come, when those stresses, those frustrations, those diagnoses, whatever, when they come, keep that in mind. Number two, God always delivers on his promises. It just ended there. <laughs> God promised Abraham that he would be the father of, a nation, of the nations, and he became that through Isaac. Later on, right? Sarah tried to Ishmael it. That's what I call it. I'll give you a story. So I got married later on in life. That wasn't necessarily my plan. My plan was to go to North Central Bible College, get a degree in psychology, become a family counselor, find a husband, marry. We'd be in ministry together, and it would be great and perfect. And I was going to do all this by 24, have four kids, have my own two, adopt two, have some animals, and that was going to be like the perfect scenario of life. Well, that didn't happen. God called me into ministry, yes, Went all over the world, got to travel, do ministry, lived in multiple states, and for some reason couldn't find who God needed me to marry. And so I was single in ministry for quite a long time. 
So trust me, when, I, when you say like God's giving you a promise or giving you something that you desire and you don't have it, it's tough to be single. It's tough. Whether you have been married and somebody's passed or whether you haven't been married, whatever the situation is, it is difficult. And I was in ministry and I was single. But yet God had given me vision and hope of things and working with families. And I'm like, how am I going to do that? I'm not married. And so I went through some bitter times. I went through some angry times because I could have married lots of options, but they weren't God's best for me. And that's a big difference. And there was a time where it was, it was a couple years before Chuck and the girls came into my life where I really was like, you know what? I want a child. And so I had thought, and I was praying about it, but I thought about like adopting a child, but there's nothing wrong with that. But it was in that moment that I was like, I'm gonna make this happen for me. And once I prayed about it, the Lord just kind of paused me on that. And I'm thankful that I did. I didn't just go through with it, right? Because sometimes, again, on our own, we can Ishmael it, that's what I call it. We can make it happen in our own sense, but we want to have God's promise. We want to have God's destiny for whatever that is, right? And so God said, just pause on that. You have the right heart. You definitely have love to give. And, you know, a couple years later, Chuck and the girls came into my life, and obviously we've been married and blah, blah, blah. But it looks different. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, it's a lot to the story. There's a lot to the story. We can't talk about that right now. But do you see what I'm saying, though? Like, there's a whole lot of heartbreak and there's a whole lot of disappointment in all of that, but you come back to trusting God. God always delivers on his promise, right? He did it for Sarah. He did it for Abraham. He did it for me. He'll do it for you, right? It took many years, though, for their promise to come true. It wasn't just like God said it and then a week later God did it. And sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes you might have to wait and wait and wait, but the waiting is always worth it. Many years after God made the promise to Abraham, he delivered on that promise. Amen. In the midst of waiting for his promise, for your promise, right? We must remember that he never forgets. He never forgets. He always comes through on his promises. Here's one example. He promised that he would fight for us. Exodus 14, 14 says this, the Lord will fight for you. Simple truth. And you only have to be silent. God fights for us. No matter what you're going through, he fights for you. You just need to, he basically is saying, you just need to chill. Chill out, be silent. I gotcha. We get, all, we get all focused on our, our, our lives, right? Like eternity's out there, right? We're only here for like 80 some years-ish and that's if we get blessed. I mean, we're not guaranteed. We're not guaranteed life. The Lord will fight for us. We just need to relax, be silent and let him do it, amen? The Lord, almost, uh, Lord also promises that he'll give us strength. There's all kinds of promises in the Bible. Here's just a couple. He promises to give us strength. Isaiah 40, 31, another simple example. But they who wait on the Lord, not they that go ahead and do what they want, they that got it all figured out and gonna do their own plan. No, they who wait 
For the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. You want to know why sometimes people are exhausted and worn out? Because you're trying to do it all on your own and make it happen. That's why we go back to that point. Be silent, rest. Ryan, such a good word this morning. Yes, we just need to rest in him. God has got it. We just need to, ah. He promised to give us strength. Another promise, and again, there's many. These are just a couple. He promised to be with us and to protect us. That's huge. That's what I love about Emmanuel, the word Emmanuel, God with us. He came to be with us. Isaiah 43, 2 says, when you pass through the waters, he doesn't say, I hope you don't drown. Hope you got it figured out yourself. No, he says, I am going to be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flames shall not consume you. He walks with us. He walked with Abraham and Sarah. And yeah, there were a lot of learning lessons along the way. He walks with me. He walked with me through pain and disappointment and healing. He walks with us. We're not alone. Praise God, right? Aren't you thankful that the God we serve doesn't leave us on our own? I am. (laughs) Number three, lesson from Sarah. God's timing is always Perfect. It's always perfect. It's not our timing. It's his. His timing. God's timing. Sarah prayed for a baby, and God made a covenant with Abraham to bless with a child. But years and years went on, and Sarah never saw that, obviously, until Isaac. It was in their golden years, like, wow, that God gave Sarah a baby. The lesson here is that God's timing is always perfect. See, I looked it up. When Ishmael came along, so when Sarah decided she was like going to take it in her own hands, Sarah was about 76 and Abraham was about 86. When Isaac finally came along, God's plan and purpose, Sarah was around 90 and Abraham was 100. So like, again, they were much older, waiting for God's promise in their life. Are you willing to wait for God's timing? Are you willing to wait for God's best? It's worth it. Isaiah 55 says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. This just brings us back to the humble reality of we are the creation, we're not the creator. He made us and he placed us on this planet where we are for a purpose, for a divine plan. Your life is meant to be how it is unfolding. Trust him, believe what he's told you, walk it out with him, rest in him, right? Life's a lot easier that way. We cannot begin to fathom how and why God does the things that he does. 
But we can rest, there's that word, we can rest in knowing that his timing is always perfect. So I don't know what you're waiting for. I don't know where that hardship is. I don't know where that hurt or that wound is, but God does. And in your waiting, he's with you. That's beautiful. He's with us, even in those moments and in those times. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for God's grace in my life when I was angry and bitter because I'm watching all my friends and getting married and having kids. And that was great and I could celebrate that, but it wasn't happening for me the way I wanted it to. But God in his grace and his mercy, he didn't push me aside and say, oh, you spoiled brat. No, he just lovingly said, just trust me. I got a plan and a purpose. And it may look different than what you think it needs to look like, but it is good and it is perfect. And my timing is perfect. Chuck and I talk all the time about how it was only God that we got together. And the timing was perfect for both of us, for the girls, for the family. Incredible. When you look at all the details, God knows what he's doing. If we will just trust him. The fourth quick lesson from Sarah is this. Patience is the key. How many in here struggle with patience? Anybody? Oh, good. I'm with friends. <laughs> oh, patience is the key, man. And they waited years and years and years. I mean, whew, that's a lot of patience. That's a lot of trust. That's a lot of still believing. But God asks us to be patient. God asks us to trust him. Sarah is a beautiful example of practicing patience. I don't know. That's, it's hard, I think, to practice patience, to trust, and to just give it over to the Lord. It's interesting, Psalms 37.7, right here in my notes, which we referenced earlier today. Uh, Ryan, that was great. Again, thanks so much for sharing. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Our life is so full and we're so crowded and it's so noisy that we do need to just take time and pause, be silent before him and be patient and just listen. What is God wanting to say? What is he wanting to confirm? He wants to pour out his love and his grace, but we just don't even give him room. We fill our life so full. I'll be the first one to admit that I can struggle with patience. I, I like to get things done when I see that they're able to get done, and um, I'll work hard to make it happen. And sometimes th things are just out of our control, right? We can't control it all. And there's been times where I've prayed for things, and I didn't see the answer. That happened to anybody? You prayed for something, and you just didn't see the answer yet. Or maybe you didn't see the answer that you thought you should have had. Right? That can become discouraging. But God asks us to be patient. He asks us to wait. He asks us to just trust him, to trust his perspective. See, when we are looking at something in our lives, we see it so small. And God's saying, lift up your heads, put your focus on me, because his perspective is so much greater. We don't understand why things happen all the time that they do in life, right? We, don't, we can't control it. We don't have God's perspective. And that's why he says, 
to trust and obey and to believe, right? And to rest in him. A lot of times when I'm faced with having to wait on the Lord, I spend time right here in Galatians chapter five. You guys will know it well, the fruit of the spirit. But I pray these into my life. I ask the Holy Spirit to like douse me with these because this, I believe, helps us get through the tough times, helps us get through the disappointments and the hurt and the anger sometimes and the bitterness when life doesn't go our way. Galatians 5, and 23, it says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Yep, that's in the Bible. Against such things, there is no law. The Holy Spirit doesn't just come to help us speak in tongues and have a prayerful, powerful ability to pray. The Holy Spirit comes to change how we live and who we are in relation to everyone else. The Holy Spirit comes so that we will have more love and more joy, more peace, right? In a world that's full of chaos, we can be people of peace. Patience, we all need that. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. These are all identifiers of the Holy Spirit. If you want to know if the Holy Spirit is in your life, right here. Does your life emit these things? Are you overflowing with the fruit of the Spirit? Because that's how you tell. It's the filter of our life. Fruit of the Spirit equips us to handle what life brings. It's the way of Jesus, right? He's all those things. And he asks us to be those things as well. And we need to be patient. Pray for patience. If you struggle, if you struggle with any of these, right, which we all do, whatever ones you have a harder time with, just ask the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, I'm struggling with gentleness right now. I don't feel like being gentle. Pause. Ask the Holy Spirit, ask Jesus to help you. Relationships are hard. Do you guys agree? We're all different. We see things differently. Whether it's your family, your husband, your kids, your friends, your colleagues, people you work with, relationships are hard. But God has given us all that we need to be able to walk with people. Against such things, there's no law. So patience is important. Number five is this. God doesn't hold our mess against us. Even though Sarah struggled in her faith, struggled to believe, laughed at God when she found out she was going to have a kid, like even though she struggled, God still came through with her for her. God still answered his promises to her. And God doesn't hold our messes against us. So wherever you lack faith or wherever you, maybe you've given up because you've prayed for a long time and God still hasn't come through. God has patience with us. He has grace with us. He doesn't hold our lack of faith or our doubt against us. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? I am. God is not gonna withhold his love or his blessings just because we mess up or just because we don't have it figured out yet. 
He loves us too much. Are you here today and maybe you're holding on to a past sin? Something that you've struggled with and you still just walk around in the shame and the guilt and you haven't forgiven yourself. It's time to forgive yourself. It's time to let that go. If you've brought it to Jesus, if you've brought him that sin, if you've brought him whatever that is, and you've asked him to forgive you, scripture's really clear. He washes it as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't even remember. If that's you today, today is your time to forgive yourself, to let it go once and for all. God is not holding that against you if you've already asked him to forgive you. So today, forgive yourself. Allow yourself the freedom and grace that he's already given you. Amen? So God doesn't hold our messes against us, and I'm so thankful for that grace. And I, that doesn't mean that we get licensed to sin, though. It doesn't mean that, oh, well, I can go do what I want because God will forgive me. That's not, that's not what that's there for. His grace is not there to be taken for granted. His grace is there when we need it. Amen? And the last lesson is this, following God is always worth it. Sarah's life shows us that. Following God is worth it. Choosing to be faithful to God isn't always the smoothest road. Occasionally, we might miss out on events or even opportunities because following Jesus calls us to live different, right? Following Jesus is going to cause you to not maybe do all the things that the world is saying you should do or be a part of or go visit or this or that, right? Following Jesus, we, we live different, but it's always worth it. We might be bullied for our faith or maybe persecuted at some point. We don't know what that's going to look like. We got to be prepared to be secure in our faith and trust in Jesus. No, no matter what comes against us as Christ followers, we stand firm because we know who our Jesus is. Amen? We can trust him and believe him. We, our faith is strong and firm. We can read the scripture and know he's going to say, it. we're going to believe it, right? He's going to do it. Amen? There were a couple of interesting facts about Sarah that I thought just were really interesting. Um, Sarah is not mentioned around the time when Abraham is preparing to sacrifice Isaac. The Bible doesn't mention her in that space. And in fact, the next chapter, Sarah goes on to die. And so uh, there are some Jewish scholars that they've concluded that possibly when Sarah learns that her husband is about to sacrifice the one child that was her promise that she dies of a broken heart. And they, they don't know exactly, but that's some of the scholars believe that that's what caused that. But she wasn't even around, you know, even in scripture, she's not mentioned. Um, Sarah's life, we have a lot to learn from not only her flaws, not only the things she didn't do well, but the things that she did do well. Amen. And imperfect people, God still chooses to use. And I'm thankful for that. I'm a living example of that. God continues to use me and I don't understand it other than I'm just willing. I'm willing to surrender my life as imperfect as it is and I give it to the Lord and he takes it and he does amazing things with it as he will for you. 
So today, again, I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what promise that God has given you that you haven't seen happen or what prayer that you've been praying and you have not seen the answers yet. I don't know what that is, but I just want us to remember a few things from today. Number one, God, nothing is impossible with God. So remind yourself of that. Number two, God always delivers on his promises. Number three, God's timing is always perfect. Four, patience is a key. Pray for it if you need it. God doesn't hold our messes against us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And number six, following God is always worth it. Following God is always worth it. I don't know where you see yourself in Sarah's story. God wants to speak to you today. God wants to remind you today that he hasn't forgotten you. He sees your heart. He knows more than anybody else what you're feeling, what you're going through, the challenges, the disappointments, the heartaches. He knows the loneliness, the despair. to be that friend that's closer than any brother. But we have to allow him, we have to be aware enough to allow him in our lives.